Hi, this is Mary Ellen Barrett, and I'd like to welcome you to the Stay at Home Schooling Mom podcast. I am being joined by my dear friend, Ginny Sufrit, homeschool rock star that she is. And we have a great guest today. We have just, I'm excited about this, mostly because we haven't seen her in a long time because of COVID, and we used to travel together, and she's terrific. So I'm going to let Ginny introduce her. But first, I would like to draw your attention to our main sponsor, Seton Home Study School. For 40 years, just about 40 years, they've been the premier Catholic homeschooling company. There are something like 16,000 students, and there have been over 200,000 students in those 40 years. They are terrific. So check them out at seatonhome.org. There's a beginner's guide there on the website. You can go through that. And at the end, there's a coupon code. So if you want to order anything, you get that coupon code. So Jenny, introduce our guest. I'm actually thrilled. Uh, Colleen Billings is a Catholic speaker and retreat leader. And as Mary Ellen mentioned, when we had Catholic homeschooling conferences all the time, we were all on the same rubber chicken circuit. So we, we sort of knew each other and grew to love each other. But Colleen and I, for many years, also belonged to the same Catholic parish. So we used to see each other every Sunday at Mass. Colleen is a member of the Franciscan-based community, the Brothers and Sisters of Charity, for 25 years. It's a public association of the faithful. It's recognized by Rome. It's under the direction of the Bishop of Little Rock, Arkansas. Presently, she's in a program through Franciscan University of Steubenville to become a spiritual director. And you're going to graduate in January, I understand. That's really wow. cool. That's really cool. It is cool. She's been married 31 years to her very handsome husband, Andrew. <laughs> I <laughs> agree. They've got five children. Her three sons, the three oldest ones of boys, got married in the last three years. So she's had one or two things to do the last three years. Mm -hmm. uh, she has a grandson coming in September and a granddaughter coming in October. Oh, yay. Uh, so all of those things make her a great person and a lot of fun. But the reason we are welcoming here today is she meets a need that we hear from homeschooling moms all the time. Colleen has worked as a professional organizer for 18 years now. She has a business called Peaceful Interiors, where she will come into your house and whip you into shape, more or less. So we find that a lot of our homeschool moms, this is what they're struggling with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's like the big thing with people with homeschooling. It's why they quit. It's because they feel like <laughs> they've, they've lost control of their lives and the house and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they'll never match another sock, you know. So, <laughs> so, it, yeah, and, and you see it online if you've logged to Catholic homeschooling uh, Facebook pages or something. Some mom will show a picture of her kitchen, the before and after. And the before, you can barely tell it's the kitchen. So organization is a really big issue. So we're going to go to the pro here. Tell us the top three reasons that we should get ourselves organized, Colleen. Oh, my goodness. That's a big question. There are a <laughs> lot of reasons. Well, I would say that the top reason that we should get organized is because, you know, as Christians and Christian Catholics, we believe that God is the God of order and he created us to imitate him. And so we are made for order and peace. And I think that when we're living in an ordered space, just like when we're living, uh, you know, a life of prayer, contemplation, like God can work in that peace. You know, there's this great, everybody's kind of heard that story of you can see the reflection of the sun, S-U-N, mm -hmm. when, when a lake is still. But when the lake is all turbulent, you can't see the reflection of the sun. And I think that there's a beautiful uh, metaphor there. When our homes, when our spirits, when our lives are calm, when there's a peace, when there's an order, we can hear the voice of God and we can see the reflection of the sun S-O-N. And um, plus, we just all feel better, right? We all, right. who wants to walk into their kitchen when it's a hot mess everywhere? It makes you not want to cook good, healthy meals for your family. It makes you not want to be there. Um, I think another great reason to get organized, besides just the peace that it brings to our lives, is that, you know, as a Franciscan, um, and our community has a nice little Benedictine twist to it too. The charism of St. Benedict was hospitality. I think when our homes are a place of peace and order, it allows us to welcome people into our home so much more easily. You know, I always joke when I would give a talk, like, why, why bother, right? We're all so busy. Why do we take the time to organize? And the doorbell rings, you know, you don't want to be like, kids, hide, yeah, don't make any noise, <laughs> you know, because you don't want to open your front door to anybody. Right. Um, you know, I love the fact that we can just kind of throw open our doors whenever we want to and give me an hour and I can, you know, have a whole bunch of people over. But then that, that's just a great blessing. And, and I think 
the third reason, if I have, if you're making me pick three, I just think the kids learn better in an environment that is calm and orderly and peaceful, especially I had three sons who had ADD. I have a little ADD too. I think it, it's what makes me good at my job in a lot of ways because I kind of live up at a, up, up a little bit in this higher uh, hyperactivity sort of space in my head. And so studies say that when there is good routine, good, good order in the home, it increases learning capabilities of our kids. Sure. So, it's so much easier to learn when you're not in chaos. Um, and I know a lot of studies say that uh, disorderly, disordered homes are linked to depression. Um, either you it makes you depressed or it's a symptom of your depression is that you can't quite get yourself together there. And once people really clean up and organize and get their stuff together, they feel better. Like you said, you just feel better in an orderly house. And I love that you tied it to God because we are created for beauty and order. And that's not a reason a lot of organizers will give you. You know, they'll say because you, you want to be able to find something or save money or whatever. But really, we are created for that. That's what God calls us to. And a beautiful yeah. home, and that doesn't mean expensive or anything. It just means, you know, clean and neat and, and peaceful, like you said. That That's a reflection of God. I love that you put that that way, that the mm. first thing you said. It's so well, true. In our community, we talk a lot about our home being a little monastery. And if you've gone into any monastery, there are typically two qualities of a monastery. Monasteries are simple and they're beautiful. And I really believe that that, that kind of very basic goal for our homes is just a great, it's a great goal to have. I mean, you never walk into a church and you see 10,000 knickknacks sitting around, right? <laughs> It's true. Because <laughs> who wants to dust all those knickknacks? Like I hate dusting. So it's it's not what I want. But I think you bring up a good point too. Um, the beauty is important. Like small things. Like I love twinkle lights. I have twinkle lights all over my house year round. I have fresh flowers in my home like 365 days a year. Just whatever those small things are that really bring you a lot of peace and joy. Not expensive. It doesn't have to be crazy. And, you know, my husband likes to remind me because I am who I am. Like, honey, this is not a museum. We we live here, you know, and, and I, you know, I tend to go the other way, right? I'm like, oh, so I think that um, just a very simple, peaceful, beautiful home does not have to mean expensive. I'm the queen of organizing on a budget. I have never one time in 18 years sent anyone to the container store. I think it's insane. I think it's so expensive. It is, it's um, crazy. Usually once we start yeah. to declutter, containers open up, mm -hmm. you know, people right. have containers all over their house. We just need to to empty some of them to use them. One of the things them. that I learned years ago, Colleen, you were at my house in Oak Park. Yes, I, had beautiful. Big, I had a huge Victorian. It was a beautiful home. I loved it. I raised, I guess, nine of my kids there uh, and loads of like my in-law kids would move in with us too for a while. And they'd have the last person that lived with us, my son, his wife, and their six kids. So it was a huge house. We had a lot going on all the time. Well, now we live in a one-room cabin. <laughs> and one of the things I discovered because of that, first of all, you have to get rid of everything. Yeah. yeah. I have two yeah. appliances. You know, other than, I, I should say, two, like, electronic. I have a toaster, and I have a, uh, a crock pot that I do use all the time. Other than that, I don't have room for anything. And this is what I've discovered. You know, I'm at a different point in my life. I don't need things to raise my kids. I don't need a lot of... And, it, it's peaceful, but it's also puts your mind that we are not for this world. We're for the next world. Yeah. Right. And we don't need a whole lot of stuff around us. Right. You're not going to need an air us. fryer there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't need a rice maker. I don't need an air fryer. You would be shocked to hear. In fact, for a long time, when we first moved there, we didn't really have a kitchen. Wow. Uh, we yeah. We well, it sort of had an old kitchen, but they had take they had sold all the appliances before we got there, so we didn't have a fridge or anything. And we used a bar fridge for a while that one of our kids had brought home from college and a uh, a hot plate. And you know what? We still ate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was fine. And I'm not saying fine. I would suggest that for people because that's a little bit, that's a little more camp out than I, than I liked. But right. what we discovered was you can do without a whole lot and you're happy without a whole lot. Yeah. Well, I think even the secular world is recognizing that right now with this whole craze of minimalism, mm -hmm. you know? go green it was go green and now it's minimalism minimalism i'm laughing i'm like i've been preaching this for 18 years but <laughs> um but i think the difference is that we're talking about minimalism in a way that is bringing peace and beauty 
mm-hmm. versus just like get rid of all your stuff. It's not. It really. I didn't have three books. I mean, all. guys, you yeah. can you right. read. You don't want three books in the house. But a lot of our moms, I think, hear the siren call of like thrift shops and garage sales. Oh, right. They- I I got it for cheap and it's valuable. So I have to hang on to it, you know, or I paid a lot of money for it and I have to hang on to it. That kind of thing. I think you hear a lot of that kind of thing. Or I, I buy, I go to the thrift store and look, this is cute. This is cute. It's a dime. It's a quarter. It's a dollar. So you mm-hmm. take it all home. But did you need it? Did you need it? Well, it's literally the reason I don't shop at Costco. I had a Costco membership for one year. I have a lot of, you know, I had a lot of kids. We've had, we've had young adults renting rooms in our house for 12 years now. So we always have a full house and I should really should in, in air quotes, go to Costco. But the reason that I don't shop at Costco is because of what you just said, Mary Ellen, you have to know yourself. And I think this is true as you start to go through and declutter your house and get ready for your homeschooling year, whatever you're doing. If I, when I went to Costco, I never blew my budget worse than I did in that year that I had that membership because I'm like, oh, look at this cute t-shirt and it's only $7 Mm -hmm. and I can get it in three colors when I really just went for grapes and, (laughs) you know, and and soft scrub. And here I am now, I'm coming home with like a new wardrobe. And uh, so you have to kind of know yourself. Like I like a good deal. So when I see one, sometimes it's harder to pass up versus, you know, when I'm in Aldi, I know exactly what I'm going in there for. And I don't come home with any t-shirts. So, right. Right. Well, yeah. one of the, yeah, one of the things that we, we do want to think about with all of this is like my son is decluttering now and because he, he's going to start the school year soon. He has six kids. They're all going to start the school year. He said, before that happens, I want clothes they're not wearing out of the house. I want toys and up and out of the house, everything. And they're donating it all. And some of the stuff is actually fairly nice. And he says, you know what? The poor can use it too. So when we go to thrift shops and we say, wow, I can get three nice t-shirts for 15 bucks or something. Well, you're not that poor and you really need them. So let some poor person who really can't afford to go out to Chico's and buy a (laughs) t-shirt, you know, there's something to be said for that. Let, let, Let those who really can't afford it have it. Well, I say that to my clients all the time, Jenny, when they're they're holding on to an item, right? And they're like, oh, but this is, you know, this is such a great item and I spent so much money for it. And my question is always, do you use it mm-hmm. with regularity? Two questions when we're when we're organizing with a client. Do you use it and regularly? Okay, now everybody has those couple items in their home. For example, here's a silly example. I have a this cute tray that's in the shape of a turkey. And I pull it out one day a year on Thanksgiving when I make my turkey and I have a spot for it in my house that doesn't, you know, protrude into anything else. And it's not a big deal. Something like that. Great. You got a spot for it. You can keep it. But that's like the exception to the rule. I think if if you have a bread maker that someone gave you for your wedding 17 years ago and you've made six loaves of bread, it's time to (laughs) let the bread maker go and give let someone who actually will use the bread maker. So, you know, do you use it? And the second question I always ask is, do you really love it? Mm. Like how many of us are holding on to things because of the reasons you just stated? My mother-in-law gave this to me. And if it's not out in my house and she comes over, she's going to be upset. Or this was expensive. And so I feel bad getting rid of it. Or, uh, you know, this was a gift from so-and-so. And I, and half of my job, I swear to you, half of my job is giving my clients permission to let it go and reminding them that if this isn't blessing you, let it go bless someone else. Yeah, It's actually an act of charity for us to let go of the things. Everything is a gift from God, right? I say 100% of our money, our possessions, all of it. It's all God's. It's all a gift from him. So who are we to hoard it? Right? Who are we to hold on to the stuff that we are not using and don't even like that much, let alone don't love it? Right. It's it's annoying us. We have to dust it. We have to take care of it. It's it's sitting on my counter, taking up space. Whereas, like I said, my crock pot, I actually use my crock pot all the time. But if I didn't, well, maybe there's somebody who can't afford a crock pot. And if I throw it in a thrift store and they can buy it for two bucks, they might really use it all the time. Right. Some young mom who doesn't have $80 to spend on a crock pot. Right. And there's loads of people out there. You know, I always think of it the first, oh, this is so many years ago. I was still living in New York. So it's before 1988. 
uh, somebody had given us, and we got a lot of our clothes, I have to admit, out of the boxes that relatives sent to us because they felt sorry for us. We were so broke in those days. <laughs> but my son, Jay, had this ugly, ugly green jacket. I mean, it was like a lime green color. It had an orange stripe on it. The thing was hideous. I hated it. So as soon as I was able to get a nicer jacket for him, I stuck it in the, we used to have a little area in our church where we could donate clothes. And I got him the nicer jacket. And I always remember this many years later, for Pete's sake, it's like 40 years later. Um, that Christmas, I saw a kid wearing that ugly coat. Oh. I'm sure it was the same one. It was in our parish. I'm sure he got it from the parish ba basket there. And I thought to myself, this was the best thing this woman could put on her kid for Christmas mass. Wow. And it was your reject, right? And it was my, it was my idea. I, I couldn't stand the thing, but clearly this is all she could afford was this ugly green coat. So that's what kept her son warm. And it's something we have to remember that the things that we're hoarding it, well, it's just, it's, you know, maybe we, he had two really nice coats, a blue one and a black one. And I liked both of them, but he really didn't need both of them. Right. And I wasn't saving it for the next kid. Yeah. You know, funny story. We've, we have um, this lovely young adult woman living with us right now and she just moved in. And so we have this big goodwill box that we keep in our basement, in our laundry room. And my kids know, you know, they have, they've lived with me their whole lives. So they're, <laughs> I'm always, you know, encouraging them to to prune and get rid of things. And so they just all sort of know that the Goodwill box is where it all goes when they're cleaning things out. Well, sometimes they shop out of the Goodwill box too. Like one son will toss a bunch of t-shirts or something in there and the other son will be like, hey, I actually love that t-shirt and I'm going to take it. So just last week, literally, I was pruning out some things and I put this really cute little yellow uh, I, I'm not, I, I love to bake, but I'm not a big baker and I just don't make time for it. And someone had given me a, this butter yellow cake plate. It was super cute. Two of them actually. And I just wasn't using it. I, I wanted to, but I wasn't using it. And I put it in my own Goodwill box. And this woman who's living with us comes up the stairs one day and she's like, Colleen, do you mind if I take those two cake plates out? She's getting married in April. And she's like, they would be perfect to hold our wedding cake on. Oh, and that's I thought, great. This that's, is what it's about, right? <laughs> I love that. Absolutely what it's all about. To remember, the other thing, I mean, look, I think Americans, we just have so much junk everywhere. I remember maybe it's got about seven or eight years ago, I think it was Walmart was having a pre-Christmas sale of waffle irons. First of all, how many people really make waffles from scratch? <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, they get the I, do. I do. Too. I do too. To be honest, I make really nice sourdough waffles, but most people don't. People, and there was actually a fight at Walmart over people the waffle irons. Over waffle irons that were. I mean, it was a great price oh, or something, gosh. and people were fighting over them. Nothing is worth fighting for. No, no, no well, certainly not waffle irons. Or pretty much anything you can buy at Walmart isn't. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> And on that classy note, we are going to just take one little break for to uh, let our sponsors talk to you. We have some terrific sponsors here at the Stay at Homeschooling Mom podcast. So just uh, hang in there and we will be right back. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Benedictine College. Benedictine College is a Newman Guide School located in Atchison, Kansas. It is heir to the 1500 years of Benedictine dedication to learning. Benedictine College mission as a Catholic Benedictine liberal arts residential college is the education of men and women within a community of faith and scholarship. There are over 50 undergraduate programs, two master's degree programs, and they are located on a beautiful, beautiful campus. Please check out their website at benedictine.edu for more information about student life, faith life, admissions, financial aid, athletics, and a variety of other things. You can even schedule a visit to the campus on the website. So again, check them out at benedictine.edu. And thank you, Benedictine College, for sponsoring the Stay at Homeschooling Mom podcast. Okay, and welcome back. Thank you very much to our sponsors. We are speaking with Colleen Billings, who is a professional organizer and just all around wonderful person who Ginny and I used to travel with um, on the homeschool conference circuit. Thank you, Colleen. So we are talking about um, decluttering and organizing and bringing peace to your home. Colleen's business is called Peaceful Interiors. 
And I just love that um, that image that that brings up for me, like peaceful interiors. Everything is just so nice in the house. <laughs> it's a great name. Thank you. <laughs> it is, it is a great you. name. And that so, should be our goal. It's, our, our goal is not to have a clean house. It's to have a peaceful, beautiful home. Right. You know, it right. doesn't, doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be. You need, I love the phrase, um, my goal is not to have a perfect home. My goal is so that my home is a soft place to fall for mm. people who, oh, who, who are there whether yeah. that's my family or the people who are coming in to visit. And it's not always, <laughs> right? We do right. live there. Sure. But um, there can be messes. Yeah. If you have kids and dogs and husbands, <laughs> there are going to be messes. Never, but yes. if you have system in, systems in place that help you um, get back on track when there are messes, like we just, that we're recording this on a Monday. Um, I had kids in and out of this house all weekend and my husband and I um, went out both Saturday and Sunday. We had events to go to. So I wasn't here constantly saying, oh, pick this up. Oh, you know, or just following people around, picking up. Mm -hmm. um, and the kids did a lot of it, but it's still kind of a mess. So after I record, I have to, I just can't look at it anymore. I have to go, <laughs> like, just straighten it up to my standards, you know. But that brings up, um, how do you feel about children and chores? Because my kids have chores and my kids have responsibilities in the house. So did you encourage that with your kids? I'm assuming you did. I'm so glad you asked that question. It's probably <laughs> the biggest question that I would get at my table at homeschooling conferences. Like what kind of expectations um, should we have for our kids? So I have dubbed myself the president of the Mean Moms Club. <laughs> and I always invite anyone to join the club. The membership is free and always open. And I think that we are doing our kids such a disservice when we are not teaching them how to take care of a home. I have a wonderful friend who lives in, um, in the cities in Minneapolis-St. Paul. She has a lot of children and she has a quote that I, I, love to, I love to quote her. She said, I see it as my responsibility as a Catholic mom to train my children so that when they're 18 and it's time to leave my home, they're capable of running their own. Yeah, that's that, great. That's, I mean, some people are like, what? That's that's huge responsibility. I'm like, but you know, really there's, of course there are gonna be a million things that we're gonna learn in our early twenties and as we're, as we're getting older, but the basics of caring for a home, I can't tell you how many young adults I've met who don't really know how to do laundry or have never cleaned a toilet or have not, had basic uh, training, you know, in, in the area of caring for a home. So when I was a kid, I am the oldest child of two oldest children. So a lot of type A, you know, in my house growing up. And so my mom was the cleaner. She liked things to be clean. My dad was the tidy guy. He wanted everything to look nice. Didn't care so much that it was clean and somehow, you know, as genetics have it, I got sort of both of those things, which I guess is why I'm doing what I'm doing for a living, right? But something that I learned is, you know, every Saturday, I hated Saturdays growing up because Saturday was our clean the house day. Mm -hmm. And my mom had a list and we had all these jobs and we would fight and cry and whine. And it was just always such a nightmare. So I always said, when I have kids, we're breaking, I want to break the chores down into smaller increments. Now, little did I know that I would end up homeschooling for 18 years and I would not have any breaks for my children. So we really needed to make sure things were getting done every day. But I am a huge proponent of a really good chore chart. And, um, you know, this can be controversial, but I'm also a big advocate of adding a little small amount of allowance money to that chore chart because I think you can teach them two things at a time. One is how to actually manage and maintain a home. And two is how to budget money. Hmm. And they're learning from early on that when I do a job, I get paid for it. Now, I'm telling you, we paid a dollar a chore. <laughs> so it wasn't like a huge amount of money. So like you wash the kitchen floors and it was a dollar or you vacuumed the whole, you know, uh, upstairs, all the bedrooms in the, and it was a dollar, but it held them accountable. And I had a chart and they checked off their chore. So every day was it six days a week. Everybody had one chore to do and it was 15 minutes 
And, and here was the little lesson in that. Um, if you did your chore on the day you were supposed to do it, you got the dollar. But if you didn't do the chore on the day you were supposed to do it, you still had to do it. Before the weekend started, all your chores had to be done. Mm-hmm. But right. you didn't get paid for it. Because we live in a society uh-huh. that says you get paid if you do the work. Right. Within the deadline. So that's kind of a side topic, but I do get that question from homeschool moms a lot. Like, I'm not giving them an allowance. We all live in community here in this house and everybody should be helping. Yes, my kids don't get allowances for cooking, for making their beds, for unstacking the dishwasher, but they do get allowances for things that none of us, you know, love to do, like scrubbing toilets and washing floors and dusting and vacuuming. Those are the things that I put on the chore chart and everybody has one chore a day. And we have to revise that chart all the time. Sometimes the kids like to switch it up. Um, you know, I've been vacuuming for six months. Can uh, I want to, I want to do some dusting or, you know, they, you know, so, so yes. And it was part of our homeschool day. We put our chores into our schedule for our homeschooling day. Just like we put time for prayer and quiet and lunch and some rest. We also put chores in in the midst of, of the crazy fun day of homeschooling. I, I think that's so important because I, I constantly, I have my grandchildren and my own kids. I did it too. Read books like farmer boy by Laura Ingalls Wilder. Mm, yeah. Monzo was eight years old and he was mucking out the stables, you know, before he ate breakfast, he immediately had to get up and he had to bring in the firewood and bring in the water and muck out the stables. And then he could come in and have breakfast and then walk to school a couple of miles in the snow. Um, we're not torturing our kids to make them make their own beds and put their laundry in the hamper. Absolutely. And there seems to be an attitude. I was kind of strict too. I had no choice. I had all those kids. There's <laughs> no way I could have possibly kept up. It was not, it was nothing I ever thought about. Like you have to learn how to do this, but I, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets. She ended up having 10 kids and she did a wonderful job. But my one daughter-in-law was raised uh, in a wealthy family with servants. Wow. So she never had to do anything. And she got married. They had a baby pretty quickly. And uh, she said to me, if it hadn't been for my son, and this was my oldest boy, so he did a lot of work, let's face it. Uh, she said, the kid would have died. She said, I had no idea. How... She was terrified to put a, a T-shirt on the baby because she thought that like she'd pull his arm out of the socket or something. Poor thing. She, just wow. never, she had never just done this stuff ever. Now, she had, like I say, she ended up having 10 kids. She did a great job, but she didn't. When she first had that first baby, she had no idea. And Gabe hit the ground running because he was having a new brother or sister every year. So right. he, knew, he knew how to do it. And I am horrified at the number of kids in college now who, when you say don't know how to do their own laundry, they're not beating out on a rock at the stream. Right. They're right, putting it right. in a big machine with a little bit of soap and pushing a button. I mean, <laughs> I always say at my house, eight years old is like the magic number. When you're eight, you're on that chore chart, full blown. You're doing the same thing that your 18 year old brother is doing. Because if right. you can read and you're tall enough to reach things, you can do anything around the house. So yeah, when sure you're eight, your laundry becomes yours. Another great thing I did and this was a change. We used to all do our laundry together, but this might be helpful for some of our moms out there. When your kids, uh, you know, you 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 can't necessarily do this. You, you'll have to share days if you have a lot of kids. But each one of my kids, after they kind of had an established understanding of this is the way we do the laundry, then they each had a day for their laundry. So one kid took Monday, one kid took Tuesday, one kid took Wednesday, and so on and so on. And every other week you had to do your sheets because let's face it, there are some scary bed sheets out there that do not get washed for a long time. That's very true. I, I had to put that on. I do the same thing with the laundry because a lot of people live in this house and we just have to make sure that everybody can get their clothes clean. But I insist every two weeks, especially the boys, because I love my sons dearly. But, you know, they stink sometimes. They, stink. they, <laughs> they do. do. They well, my joke is that the bed sheets get to look like a crime scene. You know, you can get out the <laughs> But it's not something they think of the the teens. No. And I include that the girls in that too. But so you kind of have to think it through for them. But once they realize that things need to be done, yet you are training them for life after your homeschool. And I always say this to moms: like you're not raising children, you're raising adults. You're raising people who have to go out 
and be functional in the world. And part of that is being able to scramble an egg or sew on a button or vacuum a room or sweep or mop. And and like you said, eight years old is plenty old enough to push a mop around or cleaning is not hard. Putting things away is a pain in the neck. But once you've got like a, a fairly like um, open area, cleaning is quick. Like you can clean a room in less than a half an hour, depending on how big it is. Right. But if you have a lot well, of junk if you're breaking around, that, if you're breaking that down, like I was saying into small daily chores. Yeah. And, you know, I was saying even with the sheets. So if you miss a week, if it's on a two week rotation, okay, then it's three weeks and it's not the end of the world, but it's not six weeks. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and like our college understand. kids, come, our college kids would come home and I, I mean, don't, mine wouldn't because they might kill him. But yeah, <laughs> don't those even get washed the whole year. I don't know. Oh. You know? Yeah, it's just you have to put some things out of your head. <laughs> I know. But it's just, true. When you, when you, them. When you yeah. break it all down, cleaning and, and organizing and keeping up is really not that difficult. And I do the same thing you, you've done is that every day it's part of our homeschool day. Like before we start, because we start with prayers and a little bit of scripture and things like that. But before that, okay, is everybody's room cleaned up? If, uh, did you throw the laundry in? Um, you know, the oh, this needs to be vacuumed. That needs to be done. Like wipe down the table. That all gets done before we start. So everything's kind of picked up and tidy, you know, from breakfast and whatnot the night before. My so children you're not are not to the lunch kitchen right. with breakfast dishes on the table. Exactly. I mean, I I I have older kids now kind of at the tail end of this. So I don't have babies and toddlers and things like that, but it still needs to be cleaned up. And then at the end of the school day, the books get put away, the table gets wiped down again. Oh, you know, the, the dog shed again. So we got vacuum again and, you know, right. and everybody does that. So when my husband comes home or when I'm ready to start cooking dinner, everything's kind of tidy and neat and welcoming and, and pretty again. You know, I like it to look we nice. Just- I like it to be pretty. We used to do something when the kids were little, uh, we called it the five o'clock tidy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at yeah. five o'clock before dad came home, we would make it fun. We would put music on and the kids would run around and it was crazy and fun. And everybody would just put all their stuff away from the day. That's another big thing, ladies. I'm sure you guys have answered a million questions at your tables at conferences too. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, our, our homeschooling space is just crazy. There's just stuff everywhere. I have eight kids. And, and I think it's so important if you do nothing else as you're getting ready for this new school year, moms out there, every kid has to have some designated space for their things. Yeah. You know, so at the end of the day, whether it's a crate, whether it's a backpack, whether it's a shelf, um, you know, we had a shelf in our little homeschool room. And by the way, of course, you know, mostly we were in the kitchen because that's where all the homeschoolers live, mm-hmm. even if you have a designated space oftentimes. But there was a spot that all their stuff went back to at the end of every day. And the table was cleared so that we could sit down as a family for dinner. And I think that that's a great gift that you can give to your family. There are amazing studies about the importance of sitting down as a family together for dinner. And I honestly think that so many people just don't do it because their kitchen is so chaotic that they just everybody kind of grabs their food and goes and does their thing. So to be able to light a candle and set the table, and even if you're having a pizza, <laughs> you know, and it was a long day and you just need to order a pizza, that's okay. But to have a space that that's a kind of set aside, you know, our meals together as a family, they're sacred. I think a lot of us choose to homeschool because we value that family time so much. And we know that we don't, you don't get as much of it when your kids are gone all day at, Mm -hmm. at, you know, at a brick and mortar school. So family meals were always really important to us. Um, You know, another big thing I think is just the cooking, you know, starting to teach the kids early to cook. And that starts, of course, with them helping you and being little sous chefs and learning how to chop a carrot for a salad and learning how then as they get older to boil water and make pasta and just very simple things that, you know, we always had a garden. So the kids learned how to actually grow the food. I think that helps them appreciate it and not waste. Oh yeah, definitely. And that was a big part of um, their, their chores too. We still have a big, beautiful garden. They would help can the tomatoes then every fall. And, you know, we, I still, I still can see the kids out in the backyard. And I'm in the kitchen at the window, you know, doing dishes or whatever. 
and they would be taking a break out in the yard, maybe after lunch, and the tomatoes would be coming in, and they would be eating tomatoes from our garden like an apple. Oh, you know, I and they that. still do that. They <laughs> still will crazy. go out in the yard, and they you know, they're picking the raspberries. But but there's something to all of that. You know, it, it's having some skin in the game. Mm. If our kids have skin in the game, it's not mom's job to keep the house clean. It's not mom's job to do the laundry. But we live here in community together. You know, we learning and teaching our kids like to serve, like service begins at home. You know, my husband used to have a little sign around the house and it drove my kids crazy. Like, what more can you do? You know, it, it's not, you know, how many times we heard like, that's not mine. You know, will, will you do that? That's not mine or that's not my chore. What a great opportunity to say like, yeah, you know what? Taking out the garbage is your brother's job, but he's trying to write a paper that's due tomorrow morning. So maybe you could do that for him today. You know, yeah. so, and, and when all the chores are written, kids also love, we do too. Grownups do too. We love checking things off the list. Oh yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. It's a great feeling. Oh, and how many of us have said like, oh, I forgot that I had to, you know, pay the MasterCard. So even though I'd already paid it, I wrote it on the list so I could still put a line through it and check it off. You it's know? very satisfying. And so and, and kids are like that too. There's a there's a talk that I gave at a lot of the Seton conferences on how to set up a homeschool schedule. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, having your days on paper, both for you to see and for the kids to see, is so helpful in so many ways. I would have so many moms come to me and say, you know, I'd reached the end of the week and I was so far behind on math or I didn't get my history in. Well, okay, you know, we, we don't, it, we're not necessarily shooting for 100%, right? But when you're checking things off during the week, it's also, I think, really helpful for us to see the patterns. Like, hmm, this class that I have right after lunch just kind of keeps getting pushed to the wayside. So, <laughs> Why is that happening? And maybe if that's math, it needs to be in the morning instead. I think it's data, right? Right, yeah. It's all good data for us to say if I'm checking it off. It was also really helpful to me because we lived in a place where a lot of my kids' friends were homeschooling too. And, you know, Johnny would call at 1.30 p.m. and say, hey, can, can your son come out and play kind of a thing? And I would say, I don't know. Can you? How many? How many? classes do you have left? And if they're checking them off every day, he would say, Oh, mom, I still have to do my spelling and my, um, my reading. Well, okay. I guess then you can play in an hour when you're spelling it. And it, then it's not me being the bad guy. It's me putting that responsibility on them. Unless obviously it's a class that's scheduled time with me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, you know, the summer is the best, most amazing time. I always took like a week. I tried to do it early on in the summer when I still had a little bit of momentum before I could really like take a big deep breath and really look at your schedule for the following year. Now is a perfect time to do that, you know, with school being four to six weeks away for most people to say, what subjects do I really want to get done? How much of it do I want to get done? And thinking through things like, I also have piano lessons that have to go in there and sports practice that has to be put in there. I mean, the simplest Excel spreadsheets are easy. I am not a computer person, but I have mastered Excel and it's fun. You can put colors in there and you can make it look nice and you hit print and you can change it, you know, with the click of a button when things aren't working, which they won't, you have to reevaluate all the time. But I think it's so, so helpful on Monday. I have the Monday sheet that's sitting out on top of my little rule on the island. And as they get subjects done and as I get my things done for them that day, they get checked off. And it is it's, satisfying. You're right. You're right. It's a, it's a great feeling. The other thing that I found with the schedule. So, for example, we had a very strict schedule. We start school 830 in the morning and you get a break at 10 o'clock. That was the rule. So don't ask me at 945 if you can have a snack. Don't tell me you're hungry. <laughs> 10 o'clock. No, really, that was that was it. 10 o'clock was snack time. The noon, don't even ask, don't bother to ask. 10 o'clock is snack time. So if you're hungry at nine o'clock, well, you should have eaten a bigger breakfast. Right. Right. Yeah. And one of the problems that we're finding in the work, so very interesting article in the Wall Street Journal last week uh, about how uh, companies are hiring old people, old people like me. And they said, well, they're slower to catch on, something I have no trouble <laughs> agreeing with. We, have, we are slower to catch on. 
but we show up, we show up on time and we do the work we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So that's an incredibly valuable thing to teach our kids. But before we let you go, Colleen, because we don't want to take keep too much of your time. But so all our moms who are sitting back there saying, all right, this sounds really good. Really? Where do you get started? If if somebody is an unorganized yeah. mom, her house is a mess, her school is uh, is chaos. Where do you suggest that she start? What is step one of those thousand steps? I would say uh, I get this question all the time and <laughs> I have the same answer. The kitchen is the heart of your home. Mm-hmm. And your bedroom is your sanctuary. So I always encourage moms to start with those two areas. Now, obviously, for our homeschooling moms, um, you know, where your school stuff is living and where school is going to happen probably has to be high up on that list, too. But because I think most of us do do most of our homeschooling in the kitchen or a room that's next to the kitchen or something like that, I really, really encourage that. Um, I, when I was really kind of getting started with my business, I, I love to give fly lady a shout out flylady.net. She's this hilarious 60 something year old woman who has a great website and she has podcasts too, but she's got little like reminders. Like you can sign up for her reminder saying, Hey, do you have laundry rotting in the washing machine right now? You know, <laughs> I used or to get you, those. I love yeah, that. Yeah, have you taken have you taken the meat out for dinner? Is it thawing? You know, like little things. But to have a kitchen that is organized, I think for us moms who are in that kitchen with our kids, and we know it's just a revolving refrigerator door and snack cabinet, right? So I say the, the kitchen, mm-hmm. getting snacks you know, into, into a spot where the kids can't open and say like, there's nothing to eat. Cause we know we all hear that all the time. I mean, people make fun of me because I do this for a living. I have labels everywhere. Like my label maker is my favorite toy. If the house were on fire, I'd grab my kids and my, probably my, my dog and my label maker, you know? (laughs) And my husband always jokes. I've said this in talks before, like, I'm going to come home one day, honey. And it's going to say like, Andrew on a label, you know, up off my pillow, you know? So I said, so maybe it will, maybe it will, unless you're in the doghouse, then maybe it won't be a label there. That's where it'll be. So the kitchen and the bedroom and bedrooms, I think people struggle with it, but I think they're really a very easy room to keep clean. You have a hamper for your dirty clothes, you make your bed and you put your clean clothes away. Well, I think the problem is a dumping ground though. It's That's a dumping I ground. Say. I mean, I don't, I like it to be like, I like to, my bed face is my dresser and I like there to be nothing on it. You know, I have a couple of perfume bottles and a picture of my husband and that's it. But a lot of people use their dresser as a dumping ground. Like they walk oh. in and just stuff, right? And that to and me books, is very stressful. A lot of books everywhere. A lot of books, I, yes. Oh, I, I, want my, I want to walk in my bedroom and take a deep breath and be like, if yeah. I have nowhere else to go, there's one room in the house that is just mine. I can close the door. It's peaceful. And, um, you know, and I really encourage women too. like, I would say if you're going to spend a little money, spend it on your bedroom. I, I, yeah. I bought some beautiful pillows. I bought a, a lovely fuzzy comforter that's so soft and cozy and some really beautiful pillows. My mom gave me some money one year for my birthday. And I was like, I'm going to buy pillows for my bed. And I bought some really beautiful ones. I always have fresh flowers in my room and a candle. Cause I like my, my, I have a little desk that looks over my backyard, which is really lovely. I love to garden. So I like to sit there and pray, especially in the winter. It's really beautiful. And so um, to have that little sacred space in there is really, really lovely. And my husband loves me. So he doesn't leave all of his junk sitting out on his dresser, but that (laughs) took a while. It took a while to help him learn how to, to find a home for everything. And, you know, just cleaning out our closets. I I agree. I think like all the stuff from all the other places come into women's bedrooms and gets dumped there. And that is, that's our space, especially as a married woman. This is my bed is my altar. This is my sanctuary. You know, when do you see a messy altar? People argue with me all the time. Why do you bother making your bed? You're just going to get back in it again. You know, because I walk into my bedroom 14 times a day and when we walk into a space that's beautiful, it gives us a sense of peace that yes. stays with us. Then, I think and I think that's such place. a small thing. You know, there's actually books written, make your bed, that sets your whole day up. Yeah. Uh, I think I 100% agree with it. And I'm the type of person, if for some reason I had to dash out of the house, I slept too late and I have to dash out of the house and I don't make my bed, which would be very rare. 
I'll make it before I get into it. <laughs> I have never gotten into an unmade bed in my life. To me, yeah. who wants to get into like crinkly up sheets and everything? I'll make the bed before I yeah. get into it. I want to get in. Again, that idea of peace. When I go to bed, I want to get into a lovely bed. And I don't have expensive things. I have quilts, you know, and a couple of pillows. But I just, I like to have a neat bed where I get into it and I feel peaceful and ready to go to bed and say my prayers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like the point that it's, um, it's your sanctuary for your marriage too, because this, this is your primary relationship in the house. It's God and then your spouse and then your children. And so that's where your sacrament takes place. That's where your marriage is uh, the most intimate, not getting too graphic, but even just talking and being together Mm -hmm. as a couple behind that closed door, that is your sacred space. So it should be as beautiful as you can make it. And at the very least dusted and vacuumed and, and, straightened up and tidy you know it doesn't tidy is the big thing to me a little tidy. bit of dust yeah, it doesn't have anybody but I don't go all over the place Ooh. it doesn't have to be expensive like you said just some fresh flowers from aldi's and a, and a nice little candle and just straightened up a little bit and then you feel relaxed and you can connect as a couple without the stress of like the laundry baskets and the kids projects and what all else just finds its way in there so it it's really important to have that that sacred space, I think. So the kitchen and the and the bedroom, I agree. Totally start there. Totally start there. I will joke though and say that uh, for years when I had so many kids and I kept, I cleaned, but it was really hard to keep everything as nice as I liked. My living room was always beautiful. And the joke used to be in case the priest comes to call, <laughs> I want to have one room that the kids can say, oh, father, come sit in the living room. I'll go get mom, you know? <laughs> so was, that room was my living room. I have to say, I've always had a living room. Most well, since like 1978 or something, I've always had a living room and then another playroom, toy room, den, TV room, whatever you want to call it. And I always kept my living room nice. Well, we have a rule in our house too. Um, at the end of the night, and this is, I mean, this goes for my kids. It goes for any of the young adults who live with us. The first floor is shared space, right? What, I mean, I, I want them to keep their rooms clean, but my children are all adults now. So mm, right. if they want to live in squalor, most of them don't, but you know, and three of them have wives. So that's their wives <laughs> job now to worry about that. But um, at the end of every night before everybody goes to bed, the whole first floor is cleaned up. That means like blankets that I have, over my chairs are are folded back neatly and put together. The dishes mm-hmm. are all done. The countertops are wiped off. Because let's face it, tomorrow is going to bring its own mess. And mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't want to start tomorrow with today's mess. Yeah, that's you know, true. It, it, it's such a beautiful, a th- this is, this was a big, a big fly lady thing when I was a young mom and started just getting help from her. Like, when you keep your kitchen sink clean and when there are not dishes, it almost like it makes you want to keep the rest of the kitchen clean, you know, and then you start to see like, oh, the sink looks so nice and the strainer's empty and I'm going to clean out that toaster oven. I'm going to wipe the microwave off, you know, just little, little things. And and we even have like a little checklist in the kitchen just hanging on a cabinet. And it says something like, when you see that these things need to be done, just do them. Mm-hmm. And it says, sweep the floor wipe out the microwave, throw some bleach in the sink, um, you know, wipe off the counters, just the little, the small things that keep your kitchen functioning and running smoothly. Yes. Wow. We have done some, we have covered so much and I feel like we barely scratched the surface, Colleen. I <laughs> <laughs> come calling again, if you don't yes. mind. Actually, I, I would love, love to do the, um, the homeschool scheduling, do a deeper dive into that. I think, um, a lot of moms would benefit for that. So we are probably going to be asking you back pretty soon. I would say yes in a hurry. Oh, that would be <laughs> excellent. great. Excellent. That would be great. Thank you so, so much. And we want to thank all of our uh, listeners. Um, the podcast hit over 30,000 downloads recently, which is like astonishing to Ginny and I. It really is. We really don't believe it. We just kind of, you know, several months ago, Seton said, gee, do you want to do a podcast? Because, oh, all right. You know, <laughs> we had no, no idea. idea what we were doing. Zero idea what we were doing. But I have to say, guests like you are such a help to us. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you've inspired people. So if they're incredibly inspired and they want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Well, I was just going to say at the, uh, it, for fear of self-promotion, but you know, I will humbly say <laughs> because of COVID really, I have, um, been doing a lot of zoom consulting work. Oh, great. So I, I can't, uh, like I, I went to Texas in June and did, um, a retreat for 30 women on organization and 
uh, based, I did a retreat on Holly Perlow's Mother's Rule of Life book, which was really fun. But I'm doing a lot of Zoom consulting. So if people want to get a hold of me, they can find me on Facebook, actually. Um, Colleen Gallagher Billing on Facebook in front of me. But they can also, I don't have a website kind of on purpose because I, my business is small and I was homeschooling. So I wasn't looking for full-time work. Right. But maybe you can drop, I'll, I'll share my cell phone number and people can shoot me a text. Okay. Um, we'll put that in the show notes. notes. So yeah, that would be, that'd be the best in my email too. I can, I can give you my email and people can okay. email me. Definitely. So look for that in the show notes where you uh, listen to podcasts. And while you're looking, um, there's that like button and the five-star rating button. We don't, uh, nothing below a five-star really exists for us. So if you're going to give us a rating, <laughs> please make it a five-star one. Although, otherwise, just pass there. on it and go make yourself a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you to everybody. Um, th- thanks again, Colleen. This was great. And we are going to have you back real soon. Wonderful. It was a delight being with you too. And it was such a joy to be reunited, even via Zoom. (laughs) I know it really was. And thank you again to uh, to Zeton Home Study School, our primary sponsor and our secondary sponsors. And I want to throw in just a little uh, thank you, Jason, our editor who does just the best job on earth and Jim Shanley and who else? Is there anybody else in there? I should be pressed. Thanking. Allison Poussaint, who was our social media coordinator who's uh, recently left the job so um breaking my heart so (laughs) thank you so much thank you so much everybody and special thanks to colleen yes god bless thank you ladies god bless and now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor seton home study school seton home study school is a nationally accredited faithfully catholic private distant learning school that serves students from pre-k through 12th grade There are currently 17,000 homeschool students enrolled in Seton Home Study School and many, many more who use their books and materials, including several small Catholic schools. Since 1983, Seton Home Study School has faithfully served the homeschool community in the United States and all over the world. Please check out their website, setonhome.com. Dot org for more information. And thank you, Seton Home Study School, for sponsoring the podcast, The Stay-at-Home Schooling Moms.